0: reality is you are not the master of your life and you're a terrible master at that but you serve one of two things you either serve God or you serve the treasures of this world they rule over you you don't rule over them and when you serve the treasures of this world you will go down with them be burned up with them seek first the kingdom of God praise him and be satisfied in him alone and remember him and meditate on him and what he has done Today on the Songtime broadcast we continue in our study in Psalm 63 as we talk about the danger of putting the gifts in front of the giver and losing our perspective and the things that we treasure most. A reminder to seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness, but first we'll be joined by Jared Wilson as we talk about his excellent Advent devotional, Gifts of Grace. The many voices are coming together for that one message, I'm your host Adam Miller, you're listening. To Songtime Radio. We officially made it through Thanksgiving, and that means that it's the start of our conversation about Christmas. Now, we've actually been talking about Christmas all week long, as we've been joined with our guest today, Jared Wilson, who has written an excellent Advent devotional called Gifts of Grace. It's a great resource, and we're talking about it now because we want you to get a copy as a a plan for you to start your Advent devotionals on December 1st. This is a great opportunity for us to think about what Christmas is all about. It's really about the gospel, the message of what Christ has accomplished for us, what God has given to us as a gift. And each day of this excellent book by Jared Wilson, uh, 25 different devotionals all deal with a particular gift, a new gift every day. It's like opening 25 boxes of presents. I mean, that is pretty special. It's crafted around an Advent calendar. And Jared, you center each one of these gifts on an aspect of the gospel. Now, some of our listeners might be asking the question, why do I need 25 gifts of the gospel? Just have that be one gift. And then the other 24, you can talk about marriage and the other components that we actually need some advice in. Why focus solely on the gospel and 25 components of the gospel throughout your devotional?
1: Well, because the Gospel is the skeleton key for all that um, all that we face and all that you know all that uh, challenges us. The Gospel is not some abstract ideology. It's not just for our spiritual self, so to speak. It impacts every aspect of our life. And so uh, this is a great question because it is a genuine concern, especially when we begin to talk about you know theological concepts and we begin to talk about the Gospel and use gospelly language. The average person may say, "Well, that's all well and good, but I'm looking forward to, you know, being around difficult family members at at Christmas time. You know, I've got to I've got to go have dinner with with my mother in law, right? Um, I've got to deal with having to get all of these chores done and get all the you know shopping done and and the cooking done. I actually speak to all of those sorts of things in the book and, and show how, e- you know, each of these sort of facets of the gospel speaks to dynamics of real life." like conflict within families, like the busyness and the anxiety of, of holidays you wish you could slow down for, but don't feel like you can't, of things like um, even, you know, aspects of depression and despair. Um, you know, these are real things that, you know, the grace of God has, has um, um, you know, ministered uh, through to me in, in my own life. And um, and I wanted to make sure I made the book as accessible and as, a you know, applicable as possible in that way. Certainly each day has a sort of doctrinal or uh, theological focus, depending on the gift that's given to us. But all of my illustrations have to do with family life, holiday celebrations, sports, um, you know, different kinds of gifts that I received as a kid. I've got funny stories. I've got heartwarming stories. So I really did try to write it, um, you know, not for the top shelf, you know, eggheads, uh, but for the average person who just wants to know, what does this gospel stuff have to do with, you know, the, you know, Thursday before Christmas when I'm about, you know, at my, you know, wit's end?
0: Mm-hmm. It's In line with what the apostles did in the New Testament and with the those who penned the epistles, Every circumstance that they address, they always address it in the context of the gospel. And that's ultimately what you're doing is seeing if you want to talk about marriage, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, you can't see marriage in the role of the husband without considering the cross.
1: It really is like the, you know, as I said, the you know, skeleton key or the decoder ring for for relationships, for the existential questions, for all the practical matters of just everyday life. Um, you know, the good news of Jesus actually speaks directly into these things. And, and certainly, as you said, the New Testament writers are helping us make application. Um, every one of Paul's letters, um, with all of the practical stuff in it, all of the stuff to, you know, to take place in, in the house, in the church, in the workplace and beyond, he always begins with some sort of explication of, of the good news um you know the length of the letter we usually determine how long that explication is you know for romans it's numerous chapters of kind of laying out the covenantal history and kind of you know laying out the gospel storyline in in books like colossians and ephesians it's a little you know it's it's fewer chapters but he always begins with um some announcement about the finished work of christ and and sort of a uh, an elaboration on that and then he digs into all of these now here's what you do in response to that. And I think that's really key for us. That's that's not just an incidental form to his writing. It actually tells us something about how our life is is meant to be done as an overflow or an outflow of what God has done in Christ for us. We've been talking
0: with Jared Wilson. His book is called Gifts of Grace, 25 Advent Devotionals. It's a great resource and one that takes the Advent devotional from a completely different perspective, one that I think is refreshing, encouraging, and exactly what we strive to do here as a ministry is hold the gospel in front of us every single day, as a means of aligning us with Christ and with God and, and walk, uh, in walk and step with the Holy Spirit. So, uh, Jared, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, now you've got a Christmas Advent book under your belt. You've got some novels, some young adult stuff. You've got all of your other great stuff that you've written. How, you know what's next
1: for you? Uh, I'm writing a writing book actually. I, after doing all this writing, I thought, <laughs> how about writing a book on writing? So, Zondervan has been. Uh, you know, happy and, and um, you know, kind enough to agree to publish a book from me on, on writing for the Christian, basically, what the writing life is like as an act of worship.
0: Well, we look forward to that and uh, look forward to our future conversations. Once again, I can't thank you enough. Uh, thank you for being a part of the many voices for that one message.
1: Thank you, brother. Thank you, Adam. It's been great being with you.
0: If you'd like to find out more information about Jared Wilson's book, his Advent devotional called Gifts of Grace, please give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. And while you're out making a mess of the world in which we're living today by doing all of that shopping on Black Friday... Uh, Let me just tell you, you can do all of your Christmas shoppings with just one easy phone call. By giving us a call, you can purchase all of the books that we have on our shelves and give them out to all of your friends, family, and relatives, and neighbors, and you will be a blessing to them as well as a blessing to us. We have these and many other books available for you. To find out more information about how to get the best books that are perfect for the loved one in your life, give us a call, 508-362-362. Seven zero seven zero. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com. Oh, look at that. Get all your shopping done and you don't even have to leave the house and face all the tragedies and the lines. Let me tell you, when I was, I think, 12 years old, my dad took me out to get a camera on Black Friday and we got there before the store even opened. And by the time we got to the place we were selling the cameras, they were already sold out. I risked my life and I still didn't get what I was intending for. That is ultimately the goal of what we're studying today. Looking at Psalm 63, a reminder not to put the, the wrong treasures on the throne of our heart. As A.W. Tozer would point out, the, the risk and the danger of putting the gift in front of the giver. We need to make sure that we guard our heart so that only Christ is able to sit there. And there are many other things that we want to put in its place, but what we end up doing is we both destroy our heart, and we destroy the object that we love so much. We take those gifts, we have to carve them up, and we jam them into our heart, and it damages both sides, the gift and our soul. So, a reminder to keep things in perspective as we continue our study today in Psalm 63. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches us, you know, not to store up our treasures on things with things on earth where moth and rust corrupt but to store up our treasures in heaven you you cannot handle you cannot you're trying to hold on to all these things and they're slipping through your fingers you can't control the stock market you can't control the treasures of this world you can't even control your own family and the more you try the more they pull away am i right you're seeking the treasures of this world. You're seeking the kingdoms of this world. You're seeking to hold on to these things by your own power and your own might. So what does Jesus say in Matthew 6:33? Seek first priorities, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. He watches over the, the birds of the air. He clothes the lilies of the field. Do you think that if you asked him for bread, he'd give you a stone? Are you so foolish to think that God doesn't care for you? Seek first him, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The last three verses here show us the dichotomy of this. He says, But those who seek to destroy my life shall be down, go down into the depths of the earth. This is a contrast of seeking. Listen to this. This is a contrast of seeking. David is seeking the Lord with his whole heart. He is earnestly seeking him, but his son Absalom is seeking power and kingdom and control. I mean, this is a pretty heavy thing for David to experience. But Absalom is seeking something that even if he got it, it would not make him happy. Think through this now. If Absalom was able to kill his father and take the throne by force, do you think that would give him peace at night? Do you think he'd sleep well? All the things that we are trying to get for ourselves, all the things that we're seeking for ourselves, that we think will fill that void in our heart, will fill that that chasm in our soul, when you fill it, you find out it's a bottomless pit, and everything that you fill it with disappears. When you seek the treasures of this world, when you seek the things that you want in this world, that you think are most important in this world, you won't be happy. You won't be happy. It'll never be enough. It'll never satisfy the longing in your soul. And David is contrasting this for us. He says that those who seek his, to destroy his life shall go down into the depths of the earth. This bottomless hole that shall be given over to the power of the sword. Live by the sword, die by the sword, and they shall be a portion for jackals. The reality is you are not the master of your life. This is one of the main points Jesus is trying to make in the Sermon on the Mount. You are not the master of your own life, and you're a terrible master at that. But you serve one of two things. You either serve God or you serve the treasures of this world. They rule over you. You don't rule over them. And when you serve the treasures of this world, you will go down with them, be burned up with them. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek him, worship him, thirst for him, look for him, praise him and be satisfied in him alone and remember him and meditate on him and what he has done. Verse 11, but the king shall rejoice in God. The king will rejoice in God, all who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. All who all who seek the Lord will be lifted up. All who who surrender to Christ will be raised with Christ. We have to acknowledge that we have been terrible masters of our own faith, terrible at managing our own treasures. And they always feel like they're just out of reach. They're, they're too much to hold on to. And in this psalm, we are told, if you want to hold on to the treasures that you have, you have to let them go and cling to Christ. Seek the Lord. Thirst for Him. Look to His Son. Praise Him for the work that He has done. Remember Him. Meditate on the good deeds that He has done. Seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Our hearts know this truth. If you know Christ, if you've tasted Christ, you know this truth. But it's hard for us to keep it going. So start early in the morning. Set your day off right. And end your days by counting your blessings and not counting sheep. And if your heart is so hard that you cannot resonate with this truth, I invite you to look to Jesus once again to come to him and see the sacrifice he made as an expression and demonstration of his love for you and if that can't hard that can't soften your heart and heart pray to God and ask him to do the work you need a sledgehammer pray for a sledgehammer so that you will once again be reminded God who created you loves you he cares for you and demonstrated his love by sending his son to die for you and if you turn to him you will not be disappointed Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this psalm, this reminder that we must seek you. And yet this is not an imperative that leads to our, our own frustration of work, that work, that work that continues to exhaust us. But Lord, this is the work that restores. This is the work that renews. This is the work that refreshes us by your grace. May we be reminded by this. May we be comforted by your word. May may this psalm then stand out for us as a pattern for what it means to seek you and your son so that we might be rekindled once again by his love. And in so doing, love others as Christ has loved us. We pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. One of my favorite points of A.W. Tozer in his book, The, The Pursuit of God, talking about seeking God, is this whole idea that when you give something over to God, it's not actually lost. You don't actually lose anything, but nothing kept in your hands is ever really safe. When we're talking about seeking the Lord, and that's the foundation of that book, The Pursuit of God, it's important for us to remember the the gifts that God has given to us. He's using that in the reference to the story of Abraham and Isaac, who we looked at that story earlier this year. He went through the crucible understanding that he had to give Isaac over to God. He never actually lost Isaac. He got to keep Isaac. The same could be applied to the story of Job. Job lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his, his cattle. He lost his uh, treasures. He lost all of the things that he had and the treasures of this world. And yet, in the end, God gave him back twice of everything that he lost. Now, the question you might be raising is, well, what about his kids? Those were gone. Um, he lost all of his kids and his wife had to have another set of kids. That's not double, is it? Well, think about it. Every single one of those children is an eternal soul. So yes, he even had double children returned to him. The beautiful point is that nothing given over to God is ever truly lost, but nothing kept to ourself is ever truly safe. I love A.W. Tozer, you can go check that out by looking at his book, The Pursuit of God in Chapter 2, entitled, Aptly, The The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing. Great chapter, one of my favorites. If we've been able to encourage you today, could I ask you to be a blessing to us in return? So, you're thinking about all the money you're going to spend here on Black Friday, consider first and foremost the money that you're giving to the work of the kingdom of God. Give to your church, that's first and foremost. Support your family in their necessities, but also give back to the ministries that have been a blessing in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, in your life. If we have been able to be a blessing to you, would you please consider giving back in in time and, and in love and in support and financially. Consider song time in your end of the year donation. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget, as we continue during this holiday season, to keep your eyes open for opportunities all around you to share your faith with those that you love. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse for this week, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you.